Hello and welcome to My Life on the Line, a podcast by RefCoach. I'm Jack and as always, I'm joined by Ale. On this podcast, we show the humans behind the whistle through the eyes of referees past and present, as well as the broader footballing world. Our guest today is Eric Dobransky. Eric is the former under-20 women's national team coach for the Cayman Islands and the women's head coach at Johnson & Wales University in the United States. Eric is also broadcast analyst for Vista World Link and hosts the football podcast Ballside Goalside. We talked with Eric about his experience as a coach, his perspective on relationships with referees and the impact that these have on the games. He also shares a number of anecdotes around this. We chat with him about situations where he's reflected on how his attitude towards referees has changed over the years and how it's also impacted his coaching style. Eric's enthusiasm for football, or soccer as he calls it, is really, really infectious. He's a super, super passionate coach. It was great to get an opinion on refereeing from someone who has a completely different perspective to what Ali and I do, but we were both surprised with the similarities between coaching and refereeing. I recommend a on-field review. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Good morning, Eric. Thank you for joining us all the way from the United States of America. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, I appreciate you you both having me on. I really, really have a lot of respect and uh, admiration for what you guys are doing with this podcast and what you guys are doing with Ref Coach and, and uh, really, uh, really excited to discuss some, some things with you guys today. I'd, I'd love to start, Eric, when we're doing our research for this piece and, and looking at uh, what you've done in the past and the roles you've had. And, and, and something stood out to me as being a little bit different, which was your role as the under-20 women's national team head coach for the Cayman Islands Football Association, which is quite a unique role for somebody to have in football. And I'm sure presented many types of challenges. I'm sure refereeing was there on one part, but as a whole, how was that? It sounds fascinating. It was, it, it was very, it was an incredible probably moment in my life in regards to the experience, in regards to the, the role itself. It was something that I continue to appreciate. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful for. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was an opportunity that came in a moment in my career that I had just become a college head coach for the first time after being an assistant for, for, for a while. Um, so I was already juggling kind of the, the learning curve of becoming the decision maker as a head coach. And then the opportunity about a year later to, um, to take over as the U 20 uh, head coach. And, and that was really an experience that was developed over my time recruiting in the Cayman islands and being familiar with the players and being familiar with the, the staff and, and the organization itself um, at CIFA. And then, so it just worked out to where, you know, we were, we were just really talking about a couple, players in terms of recruiting and they were looking for a U20 head coach uh, to take them through World Cup qualifying so so it really worked out the timing was the timing was uh, was perfect for for all parties involved and I think it was something going back you know going to referee development coaching education referee education it was an experience that probably accelerated what I learned uh, as a head coach because of having to balance the travel. Obviously there was moments that I had to leave my college season to go, mm-hmm. you know, coach against whether it was coaching against Jamaica, whether it's coaching against, you know, El Salvador, things like that. So there was moments that you had to a learn how to balance all of that. And then, and then again, just coaching a, a, in a different environment. You know, I think, 
it, it, it was such a incredible atmosphere with with the players there uh, coordinating travel because a lot of the U20s were playing college soccer as well. So you're coordinating with their head coaches in college. You're coordinating with them, their families. We're all trying to coordinate where we're going to meet, train and prep for for these games. So really, um, you know, an experience that I think I would thoroughly enjoy and welcome again in my career because it was definitely one of the highlights of my career so far. Um developing a curriculum for a, for a country in terms of, you know, how you want your, your U20s to play and, and the style of play and, and, and that. I think that was an unbelievable experience. But like I said, I, I'm very blessed because and thankful because it did, it did really teach me some things that probably would have taken quite a longer you know, amount of time in my career that, that I really had to learn in those years that, that you know, I held that position. A quick Google of the Cayman Islands. I can see why maybe you enjoyed it so much. You know, it's beaches, <laughs> it's it's clear, clear blue water, it's palm trees. Not a bad it, place, not a bad part of the amazing. world. Yeah, I, I can't see any football pitches coming up on when I Google <laughs> the Cayman Islands. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they actually had, you know, uh, facilities um, that were, you know, very comparable to some of the top facilities in, you know, in the United States in terms of our training facilities, locker room facilities. You know, again, just being very fortunate that the organization as a whole was was such a uh, like class act, and you know the way the way they approach training, and I think that's why it made it such a great fit uh, for myself because I you know I have that passion to to you know to coach and then but obviously to you know really structure things professionally as well. So I think that we we all saw eye to eye in, in that regard. How did uh, how was refereeing on the Cayman Islands? I mean, did you have to deal much with local refereeing? Is there much of a refereeing structure? Obviously, when you were playing your World Cup qualifiers, it came under CONCACAF, I presume. Yep. So that would have been taken care of by, you know, FIFA standard officials. But I can't imagine there's too many referees on the Cayman Islands. No, you're absolutely correct. I actually never, Now, I mean, now that you asked that, I don't think I had maybe but a handful of interactions with, with local referees in that area because all the games that I had ever coached, um, within qualifying, within within preparation for qualifying, we're all off the island. You know, even our preparations, we came and played Bermuda in in Miami. So all the referee assigners and all the referee assignments were from here in Florida, and then all the other assignments came from the other moments of travel, whether it was you know in in Jamaica or you know in Trinidad and things like that. So I think the structure of the, the layout and the preparation for the games were was definitely something new to me because the meeting the day before, agreeing upon uniform colors, meeting with those referees and on all officials involved in the match, that was definitely something new from being in the college game for you know for how long I've been. It was um it was an adjustment, you know, and, and it was it was a fun it was a fun adjustment because obviously it was it was a structure that you're not typically used to. College rules are also different from the normal laws of the game, aren't they? Yeah. So that would have been an adjustment on its own as a coach because you're used to, I think in college you you have games that go for like on two hours extra time, yeah. whilst when you go to the standard rules, international rules, it's just obviously that doesn't happen. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. And and, I, and that goes to that, to my point of how, how accelerated it is you know, put my career in terms of the learning curve of being a head coach and, and really understanding, you know, those those laws of the game that that, you know, didn't translate to college soccer. You know, here I am used to, you know, almost um, being able to substitute on a regular in college soccer. 
And here, you know, you've got the three substitutions and, you know, everything, the structure within, you know, Olympic qualifying and CONCACAF were, were, were quite different. So it was, it was an adjustment for me and it was very humbling. I'm not going to be, you know, (laughs) I'm going to be very honest. It was, it was a humbling experience and, but it was an experience that, that, like I said, I, I really appreciated it and, and I tried to learn so much from it, but the laws of the game, the way they were communicated to you were, were different. You know, the access to the referees were, uh, was much, was much different than the college game. Um, so, you know, I had to learn at the international level that your, your subs had to make an impact. You couldn't just sub to get, you know, <laughs> get a kid, you know, get a player fresh legs and get him a rest and, and get him back on. You had to realize that, you know, there was, there was definitely, uh, there had to be a rhyme or reason to it. Not that there isn't in the college game, but that, you know, with three subs um, and no reentry, you have to make sure that this is something that changes the game in a positive manner. And then <laughs> I'm usually one that, that tends, and you, you guys would probably have experienced many of these coaches, but I tend to wander quite a bit <laughs> uh, around the sideline. So, you know, I tend to get a little lost <laughs> in terms of where I'm, where I'm at. So that the technical boxes in the, uh, and the areas in which you could, uh, you could wander and, and not wander were, were quite, uh, quite confining <laughs> at that level there. That fourth official kept me, kept me in line. Have you worked out the handball rule yet since you had to adapt to all those rules? Because <laughs> I think I think a lot of us, a lot a lot of us ever haven't really yet as well. Yeah, I mean it's just it's become such um, a topic of interpretation, you know, and and I think you guys again appreciate it because I think everybody's entitled to their opinion, entitled to to you know their interpretation of of the laws of the game. I think the biggest balance is finding that consistency with with the interpretation. And, and I think as, as coaches and, and I would know you guys as referees would, would appreciate that, that, you know, that really common understanding with it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an ever, you know, ever evolving interpretation. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, think, I think there's definitely, you know, rules like obviously VAR with the offsides and things like that. I think that's obviously in college soccer, we don't have to deal with, with, you know, replay and things like that. But, you know, I think there's a number of things that are that are ever evolving in our game. Yeah. So out of the two approaches, you said, obviously, it changed a lot when you went from from college soccer to, to international football to the Cayman U20s. And you, you talked about a different approach, a different access to the referees. What were the differences there? And to that point, what's, what were the good things and what were the things that you would have liked to be different in both approaches? It, it, it's, it's, it, that's a great question. I think it all comes down to communication. Um, I think what I really, you know, took from that experience within qualifiers and through the referees, uh, through the qualifiers was just the confidence and the composure in which they were able to adapt to the game. Um, and, and really the ability to read what that game needed in those moments, you know, and really adapt to be resilient to what the players needed and what, you know, what the coaches needed. So just that confidence to, to communicate effectively, you know, whether it was simple communication, whether it was, Hey, the need of an explanation, it, it was very consistent and it was very concise, um, at that level. And, and that I really enjoyed. I think 
the one thing that, that you wish you could have had access to was a, was a little bit of the relationship aspect of it. Because I think there's moments where in the college level, and again, you guys would probably attest to this throughout your experience, building and, and having that rapport with the referee, um, it does help a game, I think. Um, and I think knowing maybe that referee's reputation or knowing that coach's reputation or the relationship that they wish to build upon, I think those are positive aspects of in a game. And I think when you show up to Olympic qualifiers, you don't have that necessarily because you're not familiar with the referees. You're not, you know, you're not getting assigned the same referees every, every other game. So that relationship isn't there. So that that ability as a coach to really, you know, understand and read, you know, where they're interpreting the laws of the game. Uh, it, it just, it just took me a little bit longer and, and obviously it was just an adjustment from that aspect of it. So yeah, it was just, like I said, I appreciated the, the conciseness of the communication and how professional the communication was, but on the other, on the flip side, it lacked that, that relationship where you felt like you were comfortable knowing and adjusting uh, to those moments as a coach. That's, that's really interesting that you say that, Eric, because you know, we talk about when, when we're being coached as referees uh, and when we are, are doing coaching as well, we talk about how oh, you should try and build a relationship with the teams, the coaches, the managers, because the likelihood is you'll see them multiple times a season. The league, I referee on, you'll see the same team five, six, potentially more times times a year. So you need to have those positive relationships. But it's interesting that on the, you know, the, almost not the one-off games, but the games where you're not going to see the referees again, there's just none of that. But I think it'd be beneficial if, if you keep that same approach because you're still going to have to have that relationship for the 90 minutes of the game and, and before or after. So there's, I think there's definitely something to take away from that, that mindset of I'm going to have to see these people again just to make sure that you have a positive relationship. And like you said, the game usually goes better or is more enjoyable if, if you do have that approach. Yeah, because I think, again, we would all agree that that we're all there to have a positive uh, impact on the game. You know, um, you know, the coaches are there, the referees are there, the players are there to to have a positive impact. And I think, you know, that mutual understanding and that mutual respect, you know, comes with building that foundation of regularly, you know, maybe seeing a referee a couple times a year, you know, uh, and having that interaction prior now like i said with the qualifiers we were able to have that that interaction the day before the game but all of that that was more organizational that was not so much of building a common understanding of how the game was going to be officiated or you know us as coaches um it was more of hey this is this is the structure of the game here's the organization of the game this is the timing how everything needs to be structured warm-up wise so i think there is a benefit to it because we're, we're all there for the players and we're all there for um for the game yeah and i love this it's 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 great because i was quite excited to have a coach on the podcast because it's the first time that it's it's either not a referee or someone that is not neutral to referees well, you, you you are you seem you, you you feel you feel very pro there which is great but at the same time it's someone that is affected by refereeing in a different way than what we've been used to. But speaking to you for these first 10 minutes, it's really making me think about all the things we always talk about as referees as well, straight from when you talk, um, when you mentioned moving from uh, into a decision maker position as a coach, moving f- from the assistant 
a role to the head head coach role, all this, the change of responsibility and building relationships. And these are things that we always talk about as referees. And I love to see all these parallels between the two worlds, which it's interesting because when when someone that is not involved in the football world, you sort of look at it and you think players, coaches and referees separating. But there's so many things that we have in common, so many things that we just share, but we are on different paths. So someone does it as a referee and it's a decision maker as a referee. Someone is a decision maker as a coach. Someone is a decision maker as a player. There's, There's so many things in common that just show how we are all in. And as you said, I loved what you said before. We're all in the game to make a positive impact on the game. That's so, so important. And and in, it's been such a you know the game is is going in such in, in a different place where you know a lot of things are evolving referee education coaching education um, youth youth development with the players um, and I think we're all it, it's going in a positive direction I think it's all, all about trying to connect those dots um, you know because I think for the most part it seems that. All of us are trying, you know, whether it's coaching education courses, referee education courses, we're all trying to develop our aspect of the game. Now it's trying to connect the dots where we're coordinating together. Um, Because I think as a referee, I mean, as a coach, we want good referees. You know, we want to develop good referees. And I think we're almost sometimes becoming a, a little bit a part of the problem in, in regards to the way we approach refereeing um, instead of viewing it as, you know, moments where maybe we can learn from it's, you know, because we don't want to scare off. Like we had that, youth, we had a youth tournament this, this weekend with my youth club team. And you see a lot of younger 13, 14, 15 year olds that are working a line in a, in a tournament and they have parents, coaches yelling at them and players yelling at them the whole, the whole, you know, the whole time, you know, where, where do you go from there? Because the kid might be passionate about refereeing and he might be, he or she might be passionate about the education involved in, in becoming a quality referee, but those experiences might hinder that approach of, Hey, this is, this might not be something I want to continue doing because of, because of those experiences. So it's, it's really, I, again, trying to connect those, those avenues where we all have that understanding that, you know, where we're, where we're getting educated, how we're getting educated, what the levels are, because I think there is a misconception and a misunderstanding where parents and and players and, and coaches for the most part, know, some of the development and educational processes for edu- uh, for referees, but I think for the most part, a lot of people think they just show referees just show up and, and they they they're making a ton of money to to referee a, a, a youth youth match, and you know they expect every call to be perfect. Whereas and the reality is it's it's not that way. You know they're they're doing it because they love the game and they got involved with it because they love the game, and we've got to be proactive in our approach of making sure that those younger referees that are passionate about the game and passionate about learning continue to be passionate about it instead of pushing them out. 
Absolutely, yeah. You touch. It, it made me laugh when you say uh, the parents seeing the referees are turning up and making a ton of money, and and then you talk about these potentially 13, 14 year old kids who are running the line. And the reality is, I don't know how it's in the states, but if it's a 13, 14 year old running the line, they'll be getting maybe what do they get, Ali? Twenty, twenty two dollars. Yeah, yeah, for turning up for close to ninety minutes. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. And and that's where that's where connecting all of that, it, you know, I think that it's got to be on us as coaches and us as clubs, as youth clubs. But again, going back to what you guys are doing with with Ref Coach in this in this podcast, it's about education and how do we how do we develop a common avenue for parents to get educated on, on what the process is with becoming a referee and, and, you know, maybe not necessarily getting into the details of the pay structure, but helping them understand that, you know, a 14 year old's not getting paid, you know, the, the amount that they think they're getting paid to, to run the line for 90 minutes, you know, and, and really same for the coaches as well is developing that, that resource, that educational content that can maybe, you know, help, shed some light on, on how, you know, what the development is in the educational process. But I also think you can do all that, but if you don't have a way of implementing it and you don't have the backing of the clubs requiring it, or, you know, the sanctioning bodies requiring it, it you're not going to get very far because then you're just going to make content, content and videos that, you know, really you're just going to go, uh, you know, a little bit unseen and, and, you know, out of sight, out of mind, because they're just, parents aren't going to go look this stuff up, but you know, themselves, they're, yeah. they're going to have to be in it. You know, they're going to have to be vested in it and, um, and maybe required to, to watch that because I'll tell you as a coach, whether it's in college or youth, I have lacked from the yearly refresher and the yearly educational moments and the yearly changes. And a lot of the times I'm getting updated and this, and again, this is my own fault. And this is, this is, you know, I, I, this is why I think making those resources available and, and mandatory could be something that, that happens online is, is, you know, you find a lot of the rules on the, you know, as you're going through it or from a colleague that's, that's like, Oh, we can do this now, you know, just different changes. And um, you know, maybe creating a structure that, that that's a little bit more formal. That's interesting, right? Because I, I totally see where you're coming from and I totally agree. I think that, that sharing that what referees go through, how a referee's life, even with the pay structure, it's interesting. I was just reading last night some comments on an Italian forum about Italian referees and they were saying Serie A refs make 40,000 euros a month, which is ridiculous. It's not true. It's this misconception that's, that that's how much you make. It's, it's not even close, obviously, uh, even though you're in the Serie A and you make good money. But the thing that I'm, I'm thinking is when it comes to refereeing, so if you have all these resources available, if you're a parent, and this is a question I may put back to onto you, it's if you're a parent and you are told that you have to watch these resources, then all of a sudden you've been told you have to do something and it's compulsory, it's mandatory. Wouldn't you feel that already you're basically building that, oh, I don't want to do it because it's compulsory and then you build more angst against it. Like I think about all the courses that make you do at work in corporates, like all the, all the things that you have to do to tick the boxes and you just go through and click next, next, next next and just go okay i've done it it's out it's done i don't have to worry about it so i think 
it's 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 quite interesting because there is that psychological factor of it's mandatory so i'm just gonna do it to tick the box but also we know it's important so what could be a way to to entice people to be more 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 a part of it yeah and 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 i agree with you 100 percent because i i think that's there's got to be a mutual you know there's there's got to be some sort of common ground that we could find to make it something that a parent or a coach wants to go through and and can go through and see the benefits of it. And, and that, you know, again, I, I don't necessarily have the answer to it in terms of, I just know that the refereeing community, what you guys are doing with this podcast and what you guys are doing with, with your group and, and the coaching community are doing tremendous jobs and, and making tremendous strides to better educate in terms of creating quality referees, quality coaches, and really, recognizing teachable moments within games and then, and effectively communicating those teachable moments, you know, and and being effective leaders and effective mentors, what, what you, what you guys have built with, you know, mentorship within referees, uh, like it's been fantastic. I've had so many players that college players that have never even thought about wanting to be a referee and they, they referee a couple events and they build this camaraderie with the referees in a tournament or with them travel and, and that becomes the the thing that connects them to, to wanting to become a referee and regularly referee. And then same thing with coaching. I think there's a good development of mentoring and, and really guidance. So it's, it's really trying to build, trying to, to, you know, really get those and, and, and build those together and, and attach those. It, it's going to be something that you bring up a great point because a parent, a lot of parents, and I don't, and like I said, a lot of coaches would see that in the same light that, that you mentioned was, Oh, I have to do this training video. Oh, I have to, because we've all done it. You know, we all have to yeah. go through training videos and you're like, you're, you're absolutely right. You just, you don't look at it in the, you know, in a positive light, but there, there's gotta be some sort of creative way that, that we can try to try to, create this appreciation for for what that process looks like you know what i was th- i was thinking of jack because jack did these sort of courses last week uh, with yep. work and he was saying oh i, I forgot i haven't done them in oh. two years <laughs> yeah <laughs> i gotta do them this week oh, oh, there you go <laughs> but it's just so tough because i mean like even there was two instances this weekend and obviously you guys could have an opinion you guys would have an opinion on on how that's handled but there was the my second game, the referee like mid first half just goes darting to to the parents congregated on the sideline, and and he's pretty much like just says like if anybody says one more word they're thrown out, you know because that's just how uh, you know uh, not you know that's how how it was going, and then um, wow. and then so it was just like oh my goodness you know like I you just can't believe sometimes what what goes through their you know their mind when they're when they're saying not referees like the parent you're just like yeah yeah. so that's what i was saying i was like you know there's got to be some sort of not punishment but like you can't attend games until you watch these videos i mean i know that sounds a little harsh but you like you can't you can't do or or even providing a club discount like hey you're gonna get you know you're gonna get two hundred dollars off your club fees if you go through these training training modules you know what would be interesting? As we were talking, I was thinking, imagine if their kids were refereeing. So every kid that starts foot playing football at yeah. 14, 15, they have to do a referee course and referee at least three games yeah. and the parents have to go and watch. Yeah. Let's see if they change the attitude towards referees. Because yeah. once your kid is in the middle, you're not going to scream at your kid. Yeah. But when you see all the other parents doing what you do to your kid, then you go, oh, fuck, maybe I'm not going to do that next week. Oh, for sure. It's a point of realization, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yep. You, you want your kid to be treated with a certain amount of respect. So you, but you, but somehow when you go to a tournament, you lose, you lose all, <laughs> you, you lose yeah, that. You lose your, yeah. It's just, yeah. but so it drives me crazy because you know, it's just not, not how it should be. Hey listeners, don't forget that the best way to be involved with the ref coach community is in the ref coach Facebook group. Search ref coach on Facebook for our group. So Eric, obviously your coaching career has been long and varied and you've seen all different types of games, different types of referees, and it's it's been a real journey for you. I'd like to ask about, has there been a time perhaps where you look back now and maybe the way you had an interaction with a referee, you would have done it differently? Um, could you, things have gone better for you and not better for the referee as well? But I wanted to delve into a sort of situation like that with you. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a great question. There, There's definitely been moments throughout my career, you know, becoming a head coach for the first time when I was 26 in college soccer was in, and even throughout the time, because obviously I have moment, I've had moments throughout that time, but I think there was even just a couple, uh, a couple of years ago, I had a moment that, you know, that comes to mind where I think I had made it personal in regards to how the, how the game was being influenced and refereed in terms of, I felt like the, the opposing coach was, able to influence the game in a, in a way that, that I didn't feel comfortable with in regards to the calls, the, you know, the interpretations, you know, I'm not going to get in details in terms of the, the calls, but there was two calls that were very, very similar in, in terms in regarding last man and, and, you know, things like that, that my player received a red card later on, later late, late in the game and their, their player received a yellow card about 20 minutes earlier. And it was almost identical plays, but I felt, that throughout that game, the referee had allowed this coach to influence the game in their favor. And, and I also felt that I was being communicated differently too. In, in, in regards to, I was not the one being yelling, screaming. I was the one kind of trying to communicate in a professional manner. And I'm not saying the opposing coach wasn't being professional, but you could, you could tell emotionally it was, it was very high. So I, I, I took it personally, you know, I was, I would ask questions and I would be immediately be dismissed. So I think halftime was not a good moment for me <laughs> with, with that, rep, with that, uh, with that certain referee and obviously said some regrettable things. Uh, but, but, and obviously I, I, I'm, I tend to think that I, that I am respectful and, and I do, I do tend to err on the, on the side of, of respecting, um, you know, referees and any individual. Um, but yeah, I, I think there was definitely some, moments in that halftime talk with the referee that and that halftime interaction that that I said some things that that you know you don't want to say in front of in front of your players in front of you know anybody in terms of just taking it so personal and, and really thinking that they're, they're adjusting the way this game is going because I am not being demonstrative you know demonstrative on the sideline I'm not you know, yelling and screaming and asking for every call. I was really just allowing the, the, the game to develop. So I think just jumping to that conclusion that, that it was personal was, was the worst thing that I could have done in that moment. And I've definitely learned from that because as we discussed earlier, we're all there for the same reasons. And I, and, the, and I think the foundation of those reasons is a, is an absolute positive one, you know, and 
but it was a referee that I hadn't had ever in my career. And, and college soccer is, is fairly common where you have referees on a, on a continual basis. So it was, it was really, again, it was a moment in which my career, it, it really did change the way, you know, I perceive it. And just reminders. I mean, you, referees, you guys have those moments, just like as coaches that, that you have that moment at halftime where it's like, what's going well, what's not going well, what adjustments need to be made. And, and those moments happen for referees as well. And I think, you know, taking away that moment and, uh, and reflecting on it, it again, I just would have, my change would have been just not taking it as, uh, as personal as I, as I did and, and, and really effectively communicating better than, than what I did in, in the sidelines in terms of, um, saying how negatively influencing the game they were influencing the game but you know the referee was very respectful and and again from that experience he gained a lot of my respect in the way he handled me because I probably wouldn't have handled me in the way that that he, that he did and 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 again he earned a lot of a lot of respect for me in that in that interaction in that instance I find it interesting that you talk about taking it personally Eric I don't think I've ever thought of it from you know a coach's perspective like that and not that I'm trying to justify at all inappropriate behavior from coaching but I understand the the human side behind that when you feel like the referee just by making these decisions is personally attacking you which obviously they're not but if it's being perceived like that you understand why some coaches and I'm not saying you blew up or went crazy, but you understand why some coaches who don't have the discipline or the ability to reflect on their behavior will react in the way they react. And then that comes back to the coach education piece of, of not just this is how to coach, but hey, this is how to deal with these situations. And, and these are life skills. These aren't just football skills. But it was fascinating for me to hear that insight. And I've never thought about it from that perspective. Ali, I don't know if you share that thought. Yeah, I, it's always quite interesting for me because I do, I do think for coaches and also players and from experience when I used to ref, I can remember players sort of coming up to me and maybe thinking I wasn't being fair saying, oh, you got it off for me, you got it off for us. Um, I think it's, it's human nature when things don't go your way, it's human nature to sort of go, oh, this person... Is out it's to blame. get us. It's to blame. Yeah, it's that it, instead of thinking, well, hang on, what is going wrong in general? Uh, it's that because you have, uh, we talked about this in a previous podcast, but because you have the expectation of, uh, as a coach and as a player, I'm going to go out, even as a spectator, I'm going to go out and my team is going to win. Everything's going to go our way. Then all of a sudden there is this person which is actually neutral, but it's calling things against you. Then you those it's called betrayal of expectations. Those expectations are broken, and all of a sudden you think, well, things are not going my way. Whose fault is that? Well, you're not gonna think, well, maybe my team is not playing well. Maybe the other team is better. You think, oh, the referee is doing all the wrong calls, and that becomes personal because your personal expectations, which were not realistic, are what are upsetting you, and that's when you go and blame the referee. Uh, so I do, I do think I can totally come up with a few situations in my, in my career when I can think of coaches taking it personally. And uh, again, I think as referee, it's important to understand that that can happen. And it's important to, to know that, well, it's not personal. Um, and it's important from both a refereeing point of view and 
a coaching point of view because sometimes referees feel the same exact way and are the parallel for us. Yeah. But sometimes referees feel the same way of um, for treatments they receive from coaches and players. They think this player hates me. Every time a referee, this player or this coach, they hate me personally and that's why they yell at me. And that's when referees sometimes have mental lapses because you take it personally. You think it's a personal attack to you. Whilst really, 99% of the times, it's not a hatred or an attack to the referee, to, to you yourself, but it's the uniform you're wearing that brings that blame, that brings them, that, them problems. So it's, it's quite interesting because we do want that personal relationship between coaches, players and referees. But at the same time, we need to remember that it's, a neutral person making decisions which are decided by you know the big boys uh, in Europe in a room once a year so we're not actually making up the rules we're just interpreting them so it's not personal it's quite I, it's very very interesting as a concept and I think and I think you said that great with the, with the neutral the word neutral it's I think in those moments especially as a younger coach then it was it was understanding outside circumstances and and realizing like for me it was my team at that moment we were on we were we had a great we had a really good record uh we were playing one of the top teams in our in our conference and we needed points whether it was three points one point whatever so but understanding that that the referee has no no bearing on that in in regards to you know they don't that's not what matters to them that what matters to them is is calling the game appropriately and calling the game the way they see fit. Um, and I think that's where that personal part stands a little bit where it's like in your, in your head as a coach, you've got so many emotions and so many things going through your head on how you're, how you're coaching, you're managing the game and adjusting the game. You've got so many things going on through your mind in terms of, okay, I need to manage three points. I need to manage a point how does this referee not understand that? <laughs> you know, like, like how, yeah. how, how do they not know where we are in the standings? How do they not know how important, but they don't. And it shouldn't matter to them in, in regards to how they officiate the game. But as a coach, you just go, you go in knowing emotionally that this is such an important game. And obviously some games, you know, determine um, the future of, of that season. But again, that's not, that's not on the referee to, to know that. And then, but the flip side of that was, I've always tended to be a ref, uh, be a coach that that really just kind of keeps it to myself. I don't, you know, I'm I quickly move on. Like I don't let my players dwell on calls and things like that. But I would say when you see referees allow coaches that do yell and scream the entire time influence a game, that does affect you emotionally as well, and and the way you want to communicate. Um, effectively as, as a coach. So in that moment, I saw halftime as my only moment to, to influence what I can say. And, uh, you know, because like I said, typically I'm just kind of a, got the call, move on. Let's, let's sort it out and let's get organized. It was great to hear that. And it's, it's, it makes me happy that, you know, you, you've been able to reflect and look back and acknowledge. And, you know, obviously that's credit to you as a coach and, and as a person and, hopefully like you've mentioned earlier today is that's something that if there can be some kind of broader education piece to, to almost this sort of little last 15 minute conversation we've had, if, if you could take that and, and put that into the minds of, of coaches everywhere and, you know, to allow everyone to accept that there's going to be disagreements. Yes. You're going to think one thing, I'm going to think another, 
it's not personal. It's a game. People are there to do their jobs. And obviously saying it like that is so easy. It is not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> but football would be potentially a much calmer place and maybe a better place to referee and a better place to coach as well. But that's the beauty of football. I mean, it's emotions. Is that emotions yeah. of getting those three points when it's the last game of the season and those three points make, make it or break it for your season. Uh, that's, that's where people get so emotionally involved. And you, you don't want to take that away from football, obviously, as long as we, I think, what you said a few times, Eric, I love it. It's that we're all here to make a positive impact on the game. That's it. I think even just understanding that, we can have disagreements during 90 minutes, but we're all there for the same reason. Because we, everyone wants to have a good game. Both teams, all the coaches and the referees. Everyone wants to have a good game. So it's, it's the, I love that. I really love that. Eric, I was so excited to have you on the podcast today. I was so interested to see what a coach thinks of referees and refereeing. And you did not disappoint. I loved the conversations we had. It was amazing to see how many parallels there are between what you do and what we do and how much we actually think alike despite the world sometimes picturing us as two different entities, referees and coaches. So I, I learned so much. It was really great to have you on. Thank you for sharing all your experience with us and your thoughts with us. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm sure anyone who listened to this episode would have enjoyed this as much as we did. So really appreciate your time and all the best for, for your career and for, for the season. Yeah, I can't thank you both enough for having having me on. And, and honestly, thank you enough for what you guys are doing um, in terms of with Ref Coach and the podcast and the education uh, portion of it. I think it's just so important. Um, and, and I wish you guys a ton of success. I know I know you guys will, will be very successful in this because, again, I think you guys are doing uh, exactly what we what we need right now. And, and I think, you know, um, really happy that I could be on and I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. For more referee education, join our Facebook group and become a RefCoach member for free at refcoach.org. If you like the work we do, you can support us by purchasing a RefCoach whistle to show that you are part of the RefCoach community when you're out on the pitch.